You're listening to episode number nine of The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. Welcome to the Road to Seven podcast, guiding and supporting entrepreneurs along their road to seven figures and beyond. Here's your host, Sheila Cummins. Melissa Durrell is the president of Durrellcom. Beginning as an award-winning journalist, Melissa reported the news from Toronto, Ottawa, Saskatoon, Sudbury, and Kitchener-Waterloo for nearly two decades before founding her own startup. Fueled by great ideas, she has grown Dural Communications to one of the top communication firms in the region. Melissa has worked with hundreds of startups, entrepreneurs, VCs, and angels across Canada. She uses insider knowledge to gain local, national, and global exposure that tell the amazing stories of her clients and get the word out. Join me today as Melissa and I talk about the role activism can play when you grow your business and how she has single-handedly grown from a company of one to a team of eight high-producing PR and communications experts. Melissa, thank you so much. When we talk about busy women, I would say you are the poster child for people who have <laughs> more going on than ever thought to be humanly possible. Yeah, I love um, to say full, not yeah. busy. Full. My <laughs> life is full. Life blue. I love it. I love it. Melissa, take us back to the early days. You were a journalist first. What mm-hmm. what was that trigger that made you start Durlcom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd been telling stories for CTV, which is the major network that I worked for for the for the majority of my career, and I'd worked across the country, so in you know metropolises like Sudbury and Saskatoon, and uh, and, and then you know Toronto and Ottawa, and I had just uh, I'd been in Kitchener Waterloo. Uh, which is considered a B market in our um, across our, our country, uh, and you know was really looking to what the next steps were for me as a journalist. You know, I love storytelling. That was it was my passion. I loved interviewing people. I loved telling, um, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of what was going on in our communities and politics. Of course, was my passion. Uh, and the journalism field was really changing. And I mean, that's an, an understatement in 2018. But at that point, things were really starting to um, move from, you know, I t- you know I, when I started in journalism, I had a, a photographer, an editor, a producer. Uh, by the time I left, I was shooting my own videos, uh, partly responsible for some of the editing of them. Uh, I had to do all the social media posts. I had to write on, uh, write a digital story. I mean, the, the job was seven people and um, you know, burnout was real. And, uh, but I still, I still loved it. And I loved talking to people and connecting with them. And, um, you know, my career took a little bit of a side turn in the sense that I actually ran um, for politics at that point and I was elected. So I became the city councilor for Waterloo and uh, which is a, a town of a, but 130,000 people in, in Ontario. And I represent the uh, urban core. And uh, it was a fantastic job. But of course, right after that happened, a lot of the politicians I interviewed were picking up the phone and asking me if I would start to media train them. Uh, and so that sort of was how the, the company started. Not sort of, that's exactly how the company started. Uh, I started working with some uh, politicians, uh, provincial and federal and some municipal on how they speak to the media. And so quickly, you know, the entrepreneur in me was like, oh, I've got a, this is a business here. And that was pretty much what I did for a year. And I, and I had attracted a few smaller businesses that wanted to tell uh, their stories 
um, and you know, who I'd met uh, through the stories that I told in the past and Hey, here you're out. Are you, you know, are you willing to take me on as a client? So I had a couple of small companies at that point, a lot of them didn't have big marketing budgets. Uh, and, and that's really how, how, how I started realizing quickly that, um, you know, growth was, uh, this this could be the business, but it's funny because when I look back on it, my joke was I like all of a sudden as I started my own company and I was a politician and I loved both jobs equally. My joke was always one of these days I'm going to have to grow up and pick a career because I was really riding both of those jobs and I have been for the last eight years. So um, I think I'm finally ready to grow up. <laughs> well, I have to say I know you started as a solo printer with the media training. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of Duralcom. It's had a couple different um, turns along its journey. Yeah. So tell us about that. Yeah, we love to call those pivots in the yes. tech business. Pivots and a great pivots. Word. Well, it was actually the tech industry that uh, was the game changer for me and my company. Uh, I ended up uh, working for an organization called Communitech, and Communitech is uh, really one of the diamonds and the crowns uh, of our tech space in Canada, I would say. Uh, and at that point, they just launched a new program called Hyperdrive. And essentially, they were looking for companies across um, uh, Canada, but there were some American, um, we had some international companies. And they were coming in, and the idea behind Hyperdrive was, you've got an idea, you might have a little bit of revenue, you might not, but we're going to take your company into Hyperdrive. And uh, they brought me in uh, and was a presentation coach, essentially. So uh, a lot of these are the engineers, mathematicians. Uh, they're great with numbers, not great with speaking. And so I was working with them on how to craft their story. And um, the big sell, of course, is they were all going for investment funds. And so these tech companies oftentimes have a great idea to scale to uh, and, and to scale up to a point where they can actually make some money. They're usually looking for between you know two hundred thousand. To a million dollars um, to scale their company to that next level. And so they brought me in to start to talk to them about how you tell your story and how you ask for money. Um, and, you know, there's a bit of a, a, a not an algorithm, but there's uh, an equation that goes along with it. You know, what's the problem you're solving? How are you solving it? Why now? What's the market look like? Um, and, and so I would sort of take them through that pitch and help them really present it in a way that they could ask for a million dollars. Uh, if that's what they were looking for. So that was a big game changer for me because I was, um, these, these are their inspirational CEOs, founders of these companies with like amazing ideas that like blow your mind. And so I was working with, you know, dozens, um, every single, uh, uh, new course, new group that came through. I had another dozen tech companies just inspired by them. And, and for me, you know, as a former journalist, I became, you know, I researched the heck out of investment pitches. And I think, you know, I, I think to this day, I'm one of the only women in Canada who coaches on investment pitches. And um, I think, you know, I'm well over uh, close to a hundred million dollars. I've helped mm-hmm. companies raise over the last couple of years. And so that really became a sweet space for me. And not, what was it, what it's great about it too is, I worked with these companies on how to tell their stories. Yeah. They weren't in a place yet where they were looking for communications and media help. But a year or two later, all of a sudden their companies are making some revenue, they're making some money, and they realize that traditional media um, and communications plans are something that they really need, yet they didn't need it in-house. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, many of them have come back to me, and uh, many of them still remain my clients. Uh, so that's been really exciting, too. What made it safe for you to go and make that big move? Or was it a big move? Well, it's interesting you say that because 
um, I, I think when you start, when you do things you love, it's really easy. Mm-hmm. And I love working with people on how to tell their stories. And so when I made the jump into that tech, community tech, tech space, uh, I loved every minute that I, that I worked with these companies on. And so it was at that moment, I was like, this is really where I need to be. Uh, and I'm doing really good work. Uh, and I loved every minute of it. So I think in that sense, it was, it was really, in, it was an instinct to follow that, um, that path. Uh, and, um, and you know, I still, uh, every day when I, you know, I was just working with the, the, the cutest clients today. They, and I say cute in the most respectful way, they're 77 years old, they're great grandparents and they've got a really cool idea for a company and they want to launch it. So, you know, whether you're a 24 year old mathlete or a 77 year old great grandparent, you know, people have great ideas and they struggle with bringing it to market. And so, you know, uh, for me, I love working with them because, you know, that's my secret sauce is I can hear a bunch of ideas of why your company is great and then we can string it together and make it into a story, which is essentially what I did as a journalist for 15 years. And now I'm just doing it in that sort of marketing calm space. Right. Fantastic. So you experienced a pretty um, quick growth curve. You were one year as a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. Who was your first hire? Uh, my first hire was a young lady named Jordan. Um, and uh, she came to me. I, was, I wasn't looking for full-time. I was just looking for part-time at that point. I just needed help. Some of my clients, after we talked to them about how they tell their story, they wanted to do some social media around it. And uh, it was not a good use of my time to be uh, doing that social media when I could be, you know, when I'm working with the CEOs on their storytelling. So I knew I needed someone to take over that, that sort of micro. I need to delegate that task. Uh, and so there's a, uh, there's two universities in Waterloo. So, you know, never ending, amazing talent. Um, and you know, one of the talents that I look for is a, a university degree in English because, you know, people just aren't being taught how to write anymore. And so, uh, she came to me, uh, through a friend always, right? Like, you know, some of my best hires are friends of a friend. Um, and so she worked for me for almost two years, I think. Uh, and in that time I scaled from, you know, one to two to four to five. Um, so she was great. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of, it was still sort of the entry level position. I, I it, that was really one of the struggles I have is getting to that place where, um, you know, there's that mid level and higher level salary positions. Uh, and I think a lot of small businesses struggle with that. How do you scale people up? I think I'm finally figuring it out. Yeah, well, it's a scary. It's a scary spot when all of a sudden you're you're shifting from having a contractor to having somebody who's working full time, and there's that financial commitment mm-hmm. to pay them every month, and you're their livelihood. It's a it's a huge shift. Was there any internal beliefs that you've had to? attend to, deal with, rewrite, however you want to position it, that has allowed you to make that leap? Because it is, that first move is a leap of faith. It is. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was inter- when I was a journalist, I loved what I did, but I was a horrible employee. And I know that now. I actually called one of my news directors once and I was like, wow, I was tough. I was a tough employee. And I think, you know, I, instinctually, I've always been a better boss than an employee. But the problem was when I was younger, I didn't have anybody to be a boss for. Yes. So uh, I think for me, that was a big part of um, growing this company was 
um, learning sort of those leadership skills and how to mentor and inspire my team, uh, whether it was one employee or whether it's, you know, eight employees, um, but figuring out ways that, uh, you know, we can all work together. We're all part of the same group. And, you know, specifically in my business, we're the voice of our, com- of our clients. Sorry. We're, we're their, um, you know, a lot of them, they have a very hands-off approach when it comes to their social, their media, all of those things. And so we are their voice. That's a lot to take on. And, um, you know, I'm really inspired by the people that work with me now because they really get it and they care about the companies as much as they care about Duralcom. We want our companies to succeed. Uh, and, and that's tough. I mean, hiring is really tough. That's probably been one of the, the toughest, um, uh, I think, toughest jobs as, as the president. So I know you've recently taken on a new client, which has really pushed the boundary of storytelling for you Mm -hmm. and shifted you much more into the advocacy role. Mm -hmm. Tell us about, tell us about that experience and the impact that it's had on your business growth. Absolutely. I'd love to. So uh, as a female leader, um, as, as an elected official, there are very few female politicians out there. Uh, and so I took on a real role to try to get more women involved in politics. And because of that, I think that sort of raised my profile in the sense that when you know, six million women marched around the world uh, for Women's March in 2017, and we caused a lot of racket and got a lot of attention, um, Women's March didn't just live in America, it lived globally. Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, Women's March Global uh, became an incorporated, essentially nonprofit. And so when that happened, I started to work with Women's March Canada, and I actually am a board member on Women's March Canada uh, and help with some of their strategic communications. Uh, And Women's March Global came to me at that point and said, we really need to figure out how we are going to align this world around women's rights. Uh, there's, you know, I, I, I've always considered myself a feminist um, and an active one. And I think that, you know, a lot of us, you know, just by being who we are, we're, um, uh, we're representation, we're representatives of what women can do in the roles that we are. Um, but there's an even a greater, um, I think, task that we have to do, and that's to, you know, help the younger women up this ladder because, um, you know, I always love that analogy of, you know, you pull someone up from below and you pull them up ahead of you and we all continue to do that. Uh, And I think really what happened, Women's March Global said, like, we're going to, we're going to create a global platform, which is womensmarchglobal.org. And we're going to connect the 6 million women that marched around the world and we're going to connect them on this platform. Uh, And that to me is incredibly exciting. It's really powerful. And it's um, for those of us in the women's movement who sometimes feel very isolated, uh, frustrated, I think is a really good word to describe uh, these days when we have premiers like Doug Ford and presidents like uh, Donald Trump. I don't like to even say his name. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, we have a, a prince in Saudi Arabia who still is allowing male guardianship to occur. Um, we had a vote in Argentina where they're actually voting on whether women can have abortions or not. I mean, there's still so many issues around this world that we need to step up. In. And because women aren't in those uh, representative, representative roles where they're making the laws, we're still at we're still being ruled by men who are making decisions on our bodies and on our, on our lives. And that to me is so wrong. So women's March global uh, came and said, look, we need, we want to broaden our profile. We need to have a global platform. And, 
to me, it's probably one of the clients that I am I literally so jazzed when I wake up in the morning to work for them because we're really doing some amazing work in this world and uh, partnering with some incredible organizations who've been around for decades. Uh, so that's really exciting. Um, organizations like Equality Now um, who have been doing incredible work around uh, human trafficking and uh, they're partnering with Women's March and we're working together to really make a difference in this world. And gosh, you know, uh, I, I have this incredible business coach. I mean, Sheila Cummins. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, what is our, what's like, what do we do? And, you know, we, you at the beginning for? of this podcast, yeah, the beginning of the podcast, my, my one liner was get the word out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's still what we do. But now we, we amplify change makers. Let me say that again. We amplify change makers. And I think that truly is that's inspired by Women's March Global, but it's inspired by my tech disruptors. Um, it's, it sort of really showcases who we are as a company and, and where we're growing to. Oh, I love that. And I love that that has shifted into your tagline. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I think it's so interesting for people listening that when you do make that leap and align your clients with your core values and what you stand for, yeah. you know, that, that line between work and play becomes so gray and faded and it does nothing but amplify what it is that you do and strengthen your company. Tell me a little bit about what has had, I mean, you have experienced exponential growth uh, yeah. over the last well, I've known you for three years now. I think we've worked yeah. together for three, and I've known you for just a little bit longer than that. But yeah. what's had the biggest impact for you on your business growth, other than those key clients where you just said, yes, this is what I'm all about? Oh, great question. Um, yeah, I think for me, a big part of it was I, I did the work at the beginning with the investment pitch coaches with a lot of those tech companies mm -hmm. and now they're coming back for media support. That's been a big one. Mm -hmm. um, so, so let's just go there for a moment. Yeah. They worked with you on pitch coaching, mm -hmm. got them results. Yes. How did they know, you know, how did you make that shift to then saying, Oh, well now they're going to need media training at what, you know, that to me is such a beautiful example of knowing your audience and being one step ahead of them and having a solution to a problem that they have. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of it for me was you're, you, when you're talking to the media, you have to have, and I use this term all the time, but a sticky story. And a lot of the times when we were talking about the problem and solution that many of my companies were solving, that's our sticky story. And so I think that because we were, we created such a strong story that people would remember and they, you know, they acknowledged the fact that I was a, a big part of working out what that story was and is, mm -hmm. they want to come back to me because we can do it again. And whether we're reworking that, that old story into making it something a little bit more slick or whether we're telling a new story because they may have pivoted that trust and um, that uh, I, I think it's really trust 
around, um, we can say anything, we can blue sky, but at the end of the day, we're going to come up with like a story that people are really proud of. Now, I always love to use that, that, the Oprah aha moment. Like you're, you know, you're brainstorming, we're talking about stories. What are, why does this matter? You know, I go back to my own, my old journalism tricks around like, why will people care about this story? And so why will people care about your company and what you're doing and all those things? And then all of a sudden you get this ah moment where it's like, yeah, this this is the this is what journalists are going to want to talk about. Um, this is what your customers are going to want to talk about. And so that's really where we come to. And I think because we create that when we build their investment pitch, um, they'll come back to me to do it again because it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, for me, I, it's so one on one. I'm so in people's worlds and faces. Uh, you know, I joke sometimes I'm a counselor, I'm a marriage counselor. I've got a couple tech companies that are uh, husband and wife teams. Um, but you get to a point where you really build these amazing relationships with them. And, um, and I think that's a big part of it too. Um, and then I, I do do a lot of speaking and I think that that's a big part of it as well. So, uh, you know, being one of the only female pitch coaches and I think a lot of, uh, tech organizations are seeing that, wow, we can't just have five men on a panel anymore. We need to be diversifying. Oftentimes I'll be that token female, but that was a big shift for me too, is taking, uh, the one-on-one work that I was doing and taking it to a larger scale. So a room of a hundred entrepreneurs at Mars in Toronto or, um, you know, Communitech at one of their events, Innovation Guelph to 60 entrepreneurs in training. And so um, doing some of that high, that training um, in a, into the masses uh, and then speaking on panels and, I think too, especially with Women's March Global, the work that I do around training female politicians directly implicate or impacts my company because women see that what I'm doing uh, and trying to inspire them to be leaders, and then they want to come to me and talk about that and what that looks like for them. Do you think every company has a story? A hundred percent. How can our listeners start digging into their story? Well, my old journalism trick is, yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of it is, why should people care about what you're doing? Mm -hmm. My news director used to say that all the time. I come in to pitch these political stories, and, you know, his line to me was, nobody cares about politics, Melissa. (laughs) He was wrong. But anyway, uh, as I said, I'm a better boss than employee. But anyway, um, and, but he, when I pitch him stories, he'd always say, why should I care? Why should I care? Why should, why should, uh, you know, the older couple that lives at the corner outside of the news station, why should they care about this story? Um, and you know, doing that gut check every single time you start to, um, ideate on a story, uh, that you know right away whether it's going to fly or not. So that's a big part of it. Um, I love the founder stories, Um, you know, so why you started your company, oftentimes for most entrepreneurs, they, this is a problem that they wanted to fix and they found the solution. So that founder story is really a good one. Um, you know, there's, you can do, um, like the, the, the detective kind of story where, you know, you have to really take people through the journey of what you are doing to get to the point that this is the solution that has to be there, but you take them with you and, and it's about investigating, um, you know, the perfect world pitch is a great one because, you know, if you're changing the world, you're going to win a pitch competition. Uh, you know, so really those are the, the climate change stories, the health tech stories, those kind of stories where you're actually going to be making, you know, if you can save a life with your, with your device or whatever it might be, people are interested. 
Yes. So, you know, that's always a great story, the disruptor story. So this, you know, this has never uh, been invented before. So, you know, there's a couple of different story ideas that I can bring into them and say, I think you're aligning with this kind of story. Let's dig into it and see if we can do it. You know, um, uh, yeah, like the, I've got a, the Joan of Arc story, which is, you know, you're saving the world from mundane tasks and uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, you're, you might, you're not changing the world, but you're, you know, you're fixing payroll one day at a time, you know, for small it. businesses, you know, so you can kind of, you can have some fun with it too. And some, some companies are really willing to go that extra mile with that personality or, yeah. or else, you know, depending on who they're marketing to, uh, we might change the story up a bit, but um, it's always super fun. I love it. Yeah. The company has its own personality. And I think that's really important uh, for every company. It's, it's not just the founder's personality because one day that company will be far larger than a founder. So what is the personality of the company and how do they tell stories and who do they talk to and that kind of thing? What have you found for you, for Duralcom, has been the best way to get your story out? Oh, for me, absolutely. It's speaking. Yeah. Speaking and panels, yeah. um, you know, and, and even, you know, if I'm on a, you know, uh, what do they call it? The fab four, I'm on a panel on the radio and I'm talking about anything on the news, people are hearing my voice and the way that I'm speaking. And, and if I'm doing a good job at it, which, uh, most of the time I am, if I've had my four coffees, uh, they're like, wait, I want to, I want her to tell me how to talk. Right. Um, so taking really difficult and complex uh, questions and ideas and trying to make them take them into a place where people actually understand what you're talking about. And, uh, that was my job as a reporter. And so I, it was instilled in me and now I can teach other people how to do it. So I would say the panels, discussions, the radio interviews, um, you know, the keynotes, all of those really impact my, my company because people are attracted to, uh, you know, they want to tell their stories and they want to talk, talk to somebody who can help them with that. Yeah. Good on you. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned over the last years in business? You've had exponential growth. You're running a huge communications firm, lady. Uh, what's the biggest lesson you've learned along the way? Well, the, t- the two things that come to mind first are hire amazing people. That has been easily the biggest struggle that I've had. Um, and I think uh, when I get an incredible team together, like I see it right away in my revenue numbers. It's like, you know, we're like, whoo, right up the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when I, when I'm struggling with, with employees, we, we stagnate. And, uh, so that's a big thing for me. Um, and, and, you know, in those times I'm picking up a lot more of the work and if I'm not out getting new business, we're not growing. And so, I think for me, the biggest lesson is hiring incredible people uh, and then um, and, and, and mentoring them and training them. I, I have an all-female team, uh, which I think is pretty unique um, in, in, well, in any business, frankly. Um, and, you know, people are, do you do that on purpose? Look, I just hire the best people. We just happen to be an all-female team. Uh, and, uh, but incredible women who have, you know, what the things I look for are great leadership skills. I want to mentor them. I want to see them, see them fly and succeed. Um, and so, you know, what, and I talked to them about community benefits and, you know, we volunteer and we do those kind of things. I think that that's really important. It's a big part of who I am is that sort of that give back. And we, and we actually talk to our clients about that too, the companies we work with, how are you making your community better? Do we have a sponsorship opportunity that we can look at? So, you know, that's, that, that's external, but it's also internal to, to Girl Con as well. 
Uh, so hiring good people is a big part of it. And then delegating, yes. um, giving me that freedom. Um, you know, as you mentioned off the top, like, like I, I'll work 18 hours a day yeah. and I won't even know I'm doing it. Like I, um, it's funny. We, they just redid the streetscape outside of my office and there's a new lamp in front of it, a street lamp. And, um, it goes on at like eight or nine o'clock at night. So it's my, it, but it's now it's getting earlier. So it starts to go on earlier, but my husband always jokes. He's like, when that lamp comes on, you come home. So it means it's getting dark. <laughs> so I really have to, to wash myself, but I do, you know, I'm getting older and uh, I would like to have a little bit more time at home. And so I think that that's something I'm really looking for. Like I've spent seven years really building this company. And uh, while I am, I do, want to grow even more. I'd like to do it more as a president rather than the one who's actually, you know, writing the op ed or, or um, the communication strategy. So right. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for Dream sharing. goals. Right. That's What's the goal. That? That's the goal. The hashtag <laughs> big goal. See if you can help me with that, Sheila. Well, you're making it happen, girl. You're already on it. <laughs> I remember sitting across from the table. <laughs> you had your lovely blue eyes on me and I just stared you in the eye and I'm like, okay, so you are now no longer writing copy how's that feel and it was yeah like, this I was like really do you really mean it I don't think it's possible but anyway <laughs> Melissa thank you for coming and you know what you've shared about the power of storytelling and aligning with clients who stand alongside what you stand for and not being afraid to be an advocate for causes that are important to you you know thank you for all of your teachings today I think we all have a lot to learn from you where can people connect with you or find out more about you and what you're doing yeah that'd be great um my twitter is at melissa durrell uh facebook same same uh, my Instagram is Uptown Daryl because I'm uh, Uptown Waterloo, so Uptown Daryl. And then you can find Daryl Communications, which I would be honored and grateful if everybody wants to like them and all that jazz. So uh, at D-U-R-R-E-L-L-C-O-M-M, com, at Daryl.com. And we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We'll put all those links in the show notes so that, that you can be great. go and follow Melissa. She's just a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and uh, that storytelling piece, why should people care about you? What a great nugget for us to walk away from. Thank you right. so much for joining us today. And we look forward to learning more from you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Road to 7 podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. To learn more, visit SheilaCummins.com for more support along your road to seven figures and beyond in your business. See you next time.